Hi everyone, welcome back to the Toilet Podcast. This is your host Ra, and today I have Mimi Moments with me. Hey girl. Hi. How you feeling today? Really good. How are you? I'm I. I'm here. Welcome to the Toilet Podcast. Um, I wanted to have you on here because you know, like we're West African girls. Yes. And I feel like we have a common struggle that we've experienced. Ugh. And I know that the people that are listening to the podcast, they love the stories where West African girls come up here and they tell them how they made it through, how they broke out of bondage. (laughs) Because sometimes being a West African girl who is Muslim is a fucking struggle. So Tell me about it. Yeah, so tonight we want to hear all about your struggle, how you made it through, and all that good stuff. So introduce yourself to the audience. Tell them a little bit about who you are, where you come from. All the juicy stuff we should know about you. It's always weird when someone asks me to introduce myself. Like, I, you know, you do it all your life. You do it every new school year, mm-hmm. every job interview. But I'm always like, I don't know. Well, my name is Mimi. It's actually Mariam Silla. I'm giving y'all my full Oof. name because... Say that again. Gumbian girls, we all go by our full name. So if you listen to me, you know what I'm talking about. It's Mariam Silla. Mm-hmm. Ask about me out in these streets. Mariam Silla. You heard? I'm joking. <laughs> Because everybody know everybody in my community. So yeah. I can't just be Mariam. I'm Mariam Silla. Yeah. And um, there's like probably like 5,000 Mariams. And yeah, I even though there's possibly. multiple Mariam Sillas, you still somehow know which Mariam Silla. It's you. It's me. Okay. There's other Mariam Sillas, but it's me. Um, but I go by Mimi. Mimi Moments on Instagram. I'm 26 years old. I'm a PR coordinator. Um, what else? I'm married. I feel like I should say that now. Yeah. Um... I don't know what else to say about myself. So I'm going to start off by asking you, um, is there something on your mind that you want to flush with us today? Something that I want to flush, like something I'm struggling with? Yeah, something that you want to just release into the universe, something that's been bothering you, that you've been holding it in, that you just want to just flush it out of your system and just let it go. Well, today, I guess, something that's been bothering me, uh, is it's the fake bodies. Mm, talk to me about this because I saw a bunch of fake bodies today um, more than I'm used to seeing because I normally just see it on Instagram but I saw it in real life Mm. and it just really bothered me Um, I saw an older woman who got her body done and a younger woman and what looks like her daughter Mm. so it was like three generations and I just looked at the little girl and I'm like dang I hope she doesn't get her body done too Mm. and I just really hate that so many black women in particular are resorting to going under the knife to look like this fake Mm -hmm. idea of what a woman is supposed to look like and Mm -hmm. I think it makes it harder for women like myself who refuse to risk their lives mm-hmm. to be okay with their bodies yeah and then it's all it's also like love yourself but you should fix things if you want yeah. to so it's like this fake love yourself movement on mm. top of that it's like it's confusing or you're telling me to love myself but you got your teeth done mm-hmm. you got your nose inje- uh, done you got mm-hmm. your lip injected you got your butt done mm-hmm. but you're telling me to love myself mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's nonsense it. and i just i hate it so, so we're that's flush what, that. Yes, I'm gonna flush that. that. Toilet. All right, so let's start from the beginning. So you're married. Where's your family from? My family's from Gambia, two two zero two two zero. And were you born here? I was born and raised here. Wow. Mm-hmm. So how was it like growing up in your household? It was loud. It was crowded. It was full of love, and discipline, and really good food, mm. and a lot of fighting. 
But that's from like the kids. There were so many little kids running around, and if you come from my type of household, you know what I'm talking about. I, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> so yeah, that was my childhood. I follow you on social media, and I know that you were posting about going to therapy. Mm-hmm. And also, again, that's something that's like unheard of for, for girls who come from where we come from. Because mm-hmm. hey, if something happens, take wudu and pray two two rakas, and you're good. Like mm-hmm. you know, and we don't really have those conversations with our moms or our family members or anything. So I thought that it was brave of you to actually share that on social media. Thanks. Um, so can you tell me a bit about your experience going to therapy? Um, and what what that has been like for you? It has been two months. That's eight sessions. Oh, you, you're, at, you're at eight sessions already? Yeah. Oh. I go once a week, every okay. Wednesday at 3.30 p.m. on the dot, so I don't forget. <laughs> um, it's been really, really good for me. I realized a long time ago that I don't have an adult, because, you know, we never get to feel grown until we're married. Mm-hmm. So I didn't grow up until last year. I was not. I didn't have a voice till last year. I had bills like an adult. I had taxes and health insurance and a job like an adult. Mm-hmm. But in my home, in my community, I was not an adult. Mm-hmm. So I didn't. So when I say adult, I mean someone that is like an elder, like grown, that I could go to and speak honestly mm-hmm. about everything. Mm-hmm. I don't have that because. I talk to my mom a lot, and we have a good relationship, but there's a barrier because mm-hmm. there's but so much I could talk to her about. Mm-hmm. I can't be like, yo, I was talking to this nigga, and da-da-da-da. I can't even say, mom, I like a boy because yeah. that's haram. We yeah. can't have that conversation. You can't like a boy. Yeah, so I needed to talk to somebody and really be myself with someone who's going to just listen to me, not mm-hmm. tell me to go pray mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that prayer doesn't count because mm-hmm. therapy plus prayer amen Listen, yes that's the, that's the formula yes because like I think you need to pray about it but you need to do the work too mm-hmm. for and then God will meet you where you need to be met mm-hmm. I don't believe in just praying and like I always tell my mom and she gets mad when I say like, so if I stand in the middle of the street and the green light is on do I just stand there and pray that nothing hits me and then so if I see a problem coming to me, do I just stand in front of the problem yeah. and pray that it goes away? Right, yeah. No, you have to move. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. therapy's been great because now I have a place where I can go and just ramble mm-hmm. and not apologize for talking too much and talk mm-hmm. about whatever I want to talk about. And you're paying her, so she has to listen. Yep. So. Yep. Um. Okay. And then, so what? Like, what were like the two or like three things that you like? What did you go in there wanting to work on? Like. Did you have, like, an agenda, or were you just going to go and just, like, talk your shit? I wanted to work on my confidence, which I know some people always, like, you have confidence problem, but I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, my body image issues, which is connected to my confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to work on dealing with the baggage of this cultural mm-hmm. drama that I'm born into mm-hmm. and I also wanted to talk about dealing with losing my father because I don't talk to anybody about it mm-hmm. so and I'm well aware I'm self-aware enough to know that these things dramatically affect my decision making mm-hmm. and the way that I move through the world and I just want to fix it so I can be a better mother. You said something that like really, really, really stood out to me. You said that you wanted to go to therapy because you wanted to be like a good mother. Can you elaborate on that? Because for me too, like I- I'm not in therapy yet, but I've been focused on being a better person and like 
just working on myself. I say that all the time, but honestly, y'all, like... It's a constant. I just be like... I literally look at myself. I be like, I, you got to stop doing this. You got to stop doing that. Like, I analyze myself because, again, like you, I don't feel like I have, like, an older figure in my life that understands me. And that could advise you. And that could give me advice. Because Mm -hmm. if I have an American... um, person they don't understand the culture they just just go go just just go. leave just get do ready. whatever you want yeah it's your life yeah just live it how you want because so, that's the answer to everything and it's not and then you have like the other side they're just like don't be american allah said this this that listen to your parents listen to your parents so so there's that so i i do that work for myself and so i've really been thinking about like you know when i have kids like i don't want my kids to, to grow up in this mess. So that means that for us, we have to recreate a whole new system. We kind of got to take what we like from, you know, what we grew up with and then the American culture. Mm-hmm. So, like, how has therapy been helping you with that, like, goal of trying to be, like, a better... Trying to be better for your future kids? Um, first, I want to say that I am blessed to have a great relationship with my mother compared to a lot of the girls in my community because we are friends Mm -hmm. to an extent Mm -hmm. i always say if there was not the barrier of culture and religion between us that'd be my bestie you know how some people be texting their mom facetime talk every day like that would be my bestie but there is that barrier there so i want to take i feel like my communication skills are the way they are because of my communication skills with my mother Mm -hmm. my conflict resolution skills that i use with my husband because me and my mom would fight we would go back and forth and argue down, like World War Three, And then the next day, I would think about it. Everything is quiet. The house has calmed down. Because we're like, cause my father wasn't there. So I'm the oldest girl and there's her. And she mm-hmm. had me young. Mm-hmm. So we're like the two figureheads in my house. So my mm-hmm. siblings are just like, what is going on? <laughs> then I just, we go sit down. And we talk the whole situation through. Mm-hmm. What I said that was disrespectful what I said that hurt her feelings. Mm-hmm. What she said that hurt my feelings. What I should do next time. And I want to bring that to my children. Um, but I also want to be more open. As open as I possibly can be. And I also want to be more encouraging. Mm-hmm. And I think therapy is helping me sort my life out. And not be such a hot mess. So that I can have the emotional and mental energy to be very like attentive to my children and um emotionally available to them and like i want like my best friend she and her mom have that relationship where she calls her mother her therapist mm-hmm. like i want to be that to my daughters mm-hmm. specifically. without like letting bear like culture or without like, religion them yeah my best friend way. tells her mother everything like, do you really want to know everything like i do <laughs> I do. Like, even if I don't want to, I want to. to. I want to feel like, when you feel like, I can't talk to nobody about this, I I can talk to my mom. Mm -hmm. Like, my coworker is like, oh my God, I remember one time I was mad drunk and I was scared and I didn't know where I was. So I called my mom and she came and got me. Mm -hmm. Like that. Mm -hmm. I don't want my daughter to call me mad drunk nowhere. But Mm -hmm. that level of like, when I felt like I was in danger, that's who I could call. I was. I would rather because there are children who die. Like not to get really dark, there are women who put themselves in dangerous positions because they they couldn't call their parents. Mm-hmm. And I just want to be that. Mm-hmm. So therapy is helping me to clear away all of the mess 
unload all the baggage, part of which I've shared today, Mm -hmm. so that I can not be so heavy. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like I'm talking in circles, but just like being ready to carry the weight of my children's problems Mm because they're growing up in this country. Mm -hmm. Because I know that my daddy issues have definitely caused me to date terrible men Mm -hmm. and allow terrible men to be in my life, Mm -hmm. even if they're not my boyfriend right. even like guy friends like just like why am I friends with you mm-hmm. and, but it's daddy issues right. I know who my father is I don't have the daddy issue of like being abandoned but mm-hmm. I lost my father mm-hmm. and I only now in my mid 20s do I recognize that affected my dating mm-hmm. choices when did you lose your father I was 17 Oh wow. but That's before that he was deported mm-hmm. at 13 so you know, that's that's so wow. I was speaking to him on the phone from 13 to 17, and then he passed away. Damn, so there's a lot of like um, I I don't know how to say it. It's kind of disorienting because he was phys- was physically gone for so long, mm-hmm. but then he was on the phone, mm-hmm. and then there's then that's just gone, and it's mm-hmm. weird. Yeah. I can't explain it, but yeah. that's why I gotta go to therapy mm-hmm. to talk through it. Because mm-hmm. even now I'm uncomfortable because. Yeah. 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 Nah. So, so those are the three. That that is hard to deal with, especially yeah. if it's it's someone that's just that's so close to you because it's almost like okay, you cried about it, so it, you should be fine. Yeah. But there's always like a missing piece, like there's always a hole, and then there's sometimes where you get triggered and you're like, wait, like why am I sad? Mm-hmm. But you lost somebody, so that and and that's again we don't talk about that in our community because you have these conversations with your mom about like that that loss. We do, but not for me, for yeah. my siblings. Like, mm-hmm. I'm really sad for them mm-hmm. because they're, they were younger. And mm-hmm. I have memories. Like, my mm-hmm. sister is five. Oh, God. Hold on. My sister, is fi- uh, my sister was five mm-hmm. when it happened. Mm-hmm. So she only had a relationship with him over the phone. Mm-hmm. And then that was gone. And she always had this hope that one day he was going to come come back. So I think last year, I don't want to tell her business, but she like broke down about it and I realized that she, it's still affecting her. Mm-hmm. And so my mom and our conversations are more about her and mm-hmm. her feelings mm-hmm. and watching her as she grows up and worrying about her daddy issues, not have any memory of him mm-hmm. besides phone calls. So mm-hmm. I we talk about it, but mm-hmm. more so like about my siblings and how mm-hmm. it affects all of them mm-hmm. than it, me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then, has therapy the, like has your therapist been able to help you through that, or are you just at the stage where you're telling her your story right now? Like, did you get to the point where you're like working through the issues? Are you implementing like solutions and stuff and stuff like that? We haven't really talked about family yet. She okay. noticed she brought it up in session seven that mm-hmm. she notices I don't talk about my family because mm-hmm. I don't really talk about my family to anybody. Period. Mm-hmm. I think one of my best friends pointed it out when I told her I wanted to go to therapy because she's been doing it for a while. Mm -hmm. She's one of those touchy-feely families that her mom has a therapist and she got a therapist. Uh Her mom is very, like, emotionally available to her and stuff. So she's like, I noticed, like, 
all these years we've been friends like you never talk about your dad Mm -hmm. you never talk about your family and I'm just like I don't really know how to talk about my family Mm -hmm. to non-African people I feel that 1000% like I feel that so much like I don't talk about my family either because it's like there are so many layers and I can't even break it down for you and even if I did you wouldn't get it because you would have so many other questions and I wouldn't even have the answers to those questions and then it would be me explaining to you about my family issues and then I have to start consoling you because now you're panicking and it's just like bro I just wanted to vent and it's it's hard to even talk about them without making them sound bad for the things that they've put you through but Mm -hmm. really it's like I understand why it's happening yeah well now I understand yeah now Now I understand yeah Yeah. now I understand but if I still explain it it's still emotional because this is like it's like weight on us like Mm -hmm. this pressure this Mm -hmm. like these two worlds, like all these things that we've had to deal with growing up. So it's like, I don't want to explain this to you because it's going to make my family look really bad, but they're not. And they love me. Mm -hmm. They just love me in a way that doesn't make sense in America. Yeah, but it makes sense wherever we come from because that's what they do. Because that's how everybody else is loved. Like, I love you by feeding you and clothing you and disciplining you. That's it. And knocking the hell out of you. Yes. (laughs) But nah, yeah. That's, That's definitely something that I've struggled with. Um... So growing up, like, were you able to, you weren't, you didn't share that with anyone? Like, even your best friend, you didn't talk about your family? Did you just keep everything in? I, well, to go back to your first question, because I didn't answer it. So she mentioned that um, I don't talk about my family, and I got, like, a little tense. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, we're going to come back to it. So Mm -hmm. session eight, really all we do is talk about work, my events, my frustrations with work, my procrastination issues, my, like trying to be on top of things because I'm a little all over the place. I'm very, like, I over easily overwhelm myself. Mm-hmm. So she was like, we're going to talk about family soon. Like, she mm-hmm. has a plan. I realize that because I, I always think back on things. So I think we're going to go into that. But she said, let's just get, like, your day-to-day life, like, mm-hmm. getting through task stuff settled, and then we're going to mm-hmm. dig deeper. So stay tuned. <laughs> um, and the question you said... Of like, so were you, how did you release, right? How did you process oh. everything that you were experiencing while it was happening in your life? I realized that I've just compartmentalized identities mm. and my and my friendships are also inside of those things. So yes. I have my school friends that yes. don't ever come to my house because I don't want to explain to you that my father has two wives. Yeah. Because then you're going to be like, your dad has two wives? What? Mm-hmm. Yes. They can have four. Yeah. So, yes, this is my brother, but we don't have the same mother. And, yes, we all live here. Yeah. This is my life. I don't want to explain that to you. Yeah. So, I have the school friends that we stop. Our friendship ends at 4 o'clock. Mm-hmm. I might call you for some homework question, but That's most likely, it. even that, I probably can't even be on the phone because my mom's on the phone with somebody in another country <laughs> or some on the other side of the country. Or this is when before everybody had their cell phones and they was on WhatsApp. They so it was phone. the house phone. So you are in my school friend. You don't know about what's going on in my house. You know about the school drama, the school things. You stay over there. Then I have my Arabic school friends. Mm-hmm. These are like basically family because we have the same households. Mm-hmm. So I could go to your house and you could come to my house and we could eat at each other's house and you know about me. Mm-hmm. And that's it. But the thing is, I realize. Because my cousin and I have been talking a lot. So I'm going to keep referencing her. Because we've been like breaking a lot of things down mm-hmm. recently. Mm-hmm. Um, even we don't. Like my Arabic friends. Like my, my Arabic school friends. Like the Gumbian girls. There's certain things we just don't talk about. Because mm-hmm. 
that's not how we're raised. I'm yeah. not about to sit here and talk to you about what's going on in my house mm-hmm. because I was raised not to talk about what goes on in my house. Absolutely, yeah. So there's a slither in between the school friends and the the Missy friends. There's stuff that is just nobody knows about. Mm-hmm. And that's just that's just stuff that you keep with you and you carry with you everywhere you go. And that shit is fucking exhausting. Mm-hmm. I could relate. Did I, I, did I explain that No, well? you did because I have the same thing. But for me, for a long time, I had different friends and none of them knew each other. So I had like my school friends. I had like my Fulani friends. I had my artsy friends. I had my... I used to be in theater production. I had my white friends that did ballet and jazz with me. Like, but they never knew each other. And this is the first year in my life where all my friends met. But that's because I'm finally comfortable with, like, all the different parts of me, right? Oh, my goodness. Because before, it was the same thing. I would keep this hidden, keep this hidden. So, in reality, like, I honestly feel like none of my friends know my full story. And none of them know entirely my life story. So when they get together, sometimes it's weird because I'm just like, fuck, somebody's going to say this. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Well, at least that was my fear at first. But now I'm just like, this is, I've like fully accepted who I am. Not that there's anything to hide, but you understand that like the African parts of you, like your American friends are not going to understand that. And your African friend going to say something and your American friend is going to be like, wait, why is she saying that? But then it's like, that's just how we t- it's, it's just yeah. a hot mess. Yeah. So this year, like all my friends finally got to beat each other. And it was really awesome to be in a room and like fully like just be okay with everyone being there mm-hmm. because these are people that have known me for so long and then they one person might have seen me cry and they probably hugged me through me crying but they don't know what I was crying about you know what I'm saying it's just like it's just weird I think it's interesting that you say that because for a long time I definitely had different friend groups and I never really did bring them together Mm -hmm. because I'm just like y'all wouldn't get along Mm -hmm. like we get along for this and we get along for that Mm -hmm. but the wedding kind of brought everybody together because it was all in the same wedding party yep and I'm like, all right, well, and these are my friends, friends from college. Yeah. These are my friends from childhood. Yeah. Friends, y'all. It's slowly, we've been merging. Yeah, and now I don't even like, think about it. Now I can say, like, oh, yeah, I used to be, like, my friend from Binghamton, but now I could be, like, my friend X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. I'd be, like, my friend from sixth grade, but now I could just say the name, and they, like, all know each other. And I don't know, I just feel it's like that's easier. a relief. Yeah. yeah. It's a relief. Wow, I never even thought about it. I, I didn't even think that I was, like, keeping them separate because yeah. of my identity. Yeah, I definitely kept them separate because I was just, like... I knew that I, I knew I had separate friend groups, but I didn't know I kept them away from each other for mm-hmm. that reason either. Mm-hmm. But probably did. I'm going to think about this more. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's stressful. I think just being who we are, you have to have different identities in order to survive, period. Yeah. Like, that's just, that's just survival. Yeah. That's not, like, me trying to be a bad friend me trying to be secretive no that's just me trying to survive and for the sake of my sanity so you know i just that's just default for me at least yeah i feel like the essence of who i am is consistent but Mm -hmm. i have to show different parts of my identity in Mm -hmm. order to survive Mm -hmm. that's crazy look at us we probably got ptsd no we do I swear everybody needs a therapist now though no we do we and so many gambian girls hit me up yeah. About getting a therapist. Look at that. So many. Oh, some here. of them are married with kids. Mm. Like, I've been wanting to go, but I didn't know if I should. I'm like, nah, if you came from my background, you need to you go. Need to go. Mm-hmm. And don't lie. Mm-hmm. Be Just honest. be honest for once in your life. Because mm-hmm. we all don't really fully trust each other. We don't. It's hard. We, we can't. 
Because you, you don't know who's talking to whose mom. And that's the other thing about, like, the communities we come from. It's not even about who's talking to whose mom. But, like, you have friends that, like, are your friends. But then you tell them stuff and they go and they tell their moms. And that's then what their I moms mean. go tell this person and that's that person. That's exactly what I mean. And then you're just like, bro, but I thought we was friends. And you got to fight the girl. and just, Like, it's because our parents are competing. Mm-hmm. So we're competing, even mm-hmm. if we don't want to. Mm-hmm. Everybody just wants to be the best parent with the best kids. Child, yeah. And if you're doing some trash shit, mm-hmm. I could look really good to my mom if mm-hmm. I told her what you be doing. Because mm-hmm. she's yelling at me. And I'm like, you worried about me? You don't know what this girl and this girl and mm-hmm. this girl be doing, but you think I'm bad. Mm-hmm. And then that's that's why we can't, we can't even fully trust yeah. each other. And then we all... I'm going to not say we all, but a lot of the girls in my community judge each other, too, mm-hmm. because we're turning into our parents. Yep. And it's so, so funny, too, to? if you think about how we grow up, like, there, I'm sure there's a lot of girls that you do, you were born here with, right? And they grow up, and you see how, like, some women come out exactly like their mothers. And then, like, it's just like, you really made a duplicate. And then they just continue that tradition, and then you have people like you who are, like, completely different. And you can still feel like someone that you grew up with is judging you like oh, an outsider. Yes. Yes. Remind me to talk about that off the mic. <laughs> yes. Exactly. And it's so weird. It's, it's so like... weird. I think for me, I, I pride myself at this point in my life of finding like a balance because what I grew up seeing was like the friends that went all the way to the right, hijabi, got kids already, like 26 on the second kid, like... Married the guy that's slightly older. It was arranged since she was 14. She did what her parents wanted her to do. Mm-hmm. Everybody said, this is the good one. Then I got the friends who were like, fuck everything and everybody. Mm-hmm. Tattoos, moved across the country, freaking like everything you could think of that's like all the way left. Mm-hmm. Like, like think of the things that you think are Stripping all the way the left. Like, I don't have a stripper friend yet, but maybe she's out there and I don't know she's a stripper. Right. Like, all the way left. Yes, yeah. And, I've, and I was like, okay, I can't. I'm not, I'm, I love the hijabis. I think it's beautiful and I mm. want to get there one day. Mm. But right now, I love me a wig and mm. I'm not wearing the hijab unless I'm praying. Mm. Not, I'm not going to act like I am. My mom still hopes, but right now, it's, it's, not, not, it's not happening. Yeah. But I'm also not about to go... Tattoo my whole body. Mm-hmm. No shade to anyone with tattoos. That's just like, you know how everyone has their limit? Yeah. For me, the tattoo was it's always like, the limit. It's a haram limit that you have. Everybody like, you got their be own. haram, but you, you have a limit. Yeah, like, you like, can't be haram like that. You're yeah. just going to be haram by wearing a wig. Yeah, yeah. So that's my, when I say tattoos, I'm not trying to shade anyone because yeah. I know everybody has their limit. Mm-hmm. That's my limit. So I'm not trying to go over there, but I'm also not trying to be in the in the Misiri every weekend. Yeah, like, like, you know? Yeah. So I've tried to stay in the middle. Mm-hmm. That's just what I'm trying to do. It's hard. No, I tr- listen, man. You're talking to a person who twerks for breakfast. <laughs> like I wake up in the morning, and that's how I. That's what I do. So it's definitely hard. But I mean, I feel like this is just who we are, and like we will be doing ourselves a disservice if we try to like be those other people because it's not us. And I think that oh, like. God. First of all, we fought, okay? I'm sure you fought to be the person that you are today. Yes, I'm still fighting. Yeah, you're still fighting. Yeah. So it's like I fought all my all my life I had to fight. Oh my life. Okay. All my life. Exactly. And then you get here and then 
You're not about to change now. Honestly, I think I would die. I think it's a small death every day that you decide not to be yourself. I would, yeah. I would be dying. No, seriously. like, And that's important. And I think that a lot of people don't even have the option. Well, they have the option, but because of how our families are structured, you don't even get to like experience that person. I used to describe it to the friends that I would open up to about my background. There's like two or three of them. I can remember when I was younger. And when I would talk to them, I'd be like, it's like being in an invisible jail mm-hmm. that nobody sees. And everybody's like, just walk. And you're like, y'all don't see the bars. Let me count them. My mother, my father, my uncle, my other uncle, my other uncle, my other <laughs> uncle, my aunt, <laughs> my mother's cousin, friend. Your cousin, cousin trying to marry you. My older brother, the cousin trying to marry me from my mom's side, the cousin trying to marry me from my, my dad's, dad's side. side. Listen, <laughs> I'm in jail. <laughs> you don't see the bars, but they're around me. Yeah. No, seriously. The like, one hating ass friend that I don't even know about that's in the circle who's telling her mom everything, everything that I'm doing. I'm in jail. It's it's exhausting. It's exhausting. And that's why I commend you. Like oh, I love thanks. when I meet like women who come who come from West Africa, who are like come from the Muslim background, who just break free. Like or at least are trying to. And I also understand that like, okay, we look happy. We're on Instagram, we're flexing, we're cute, or whatever. But I also understand that there's work, there's a lot of work that happens behind closed doors for us. And that's why I wanted to have you come on because I'm sure a lot of people probably DM you and they're just like, oh my God, I want to be like you when I grow up. And they, they like preach to you. But y'all really got to understand that like there's work. It's hard. Like it's not easy. People are always like, oh my God, Rahilu, you're so vibrant, you're so this, you're so that. Like, yeah, I'm vibrant, but like, I gotta deal with the fact that I'm dead ass gonna be a whole disappointment to my mom. Yeah, it's like I'm doing this in spite of everything that's happening. Yeah. Like, I have to. Be, I always say this on my social media, and that happiness is a choice because that's what I live. I had to choose to be happy when I was miserable, and I I don't know. I don't want this to come off like everything about the culture and everything was terrible. Everything wasn't bad. I wasn't miserable all the time. Mm-hmm. But it's just like... I think the, it's the fact that like this culture, the way it's structured, it would work if we were in West Africa. If you was if in Gambia, born and raised, if I was I in Guinea, that. Yeah. it wouldn't work. I would be but fine. I wouldn't even be unhappy. Happy. You'd be happy because that's, the, that's all you know. Now, when you take that culture and you bring it to America, we start to see that, wow, there are other ways to leave, live our lives, right? And then we start to realize that what our parents are doing to us, it's not healthy. In this country. In In this this country. And it's not healthy in general. And I think for me, like, the biggest thing is that I watch, I feel like I see so many people suffer. Like, you see, you see women are unhappy. You see your fathers are unhappy. You see your uncles are unhappy, even though they're the ones making everybody miserable, according to you. But that's because they also have their own issues. And it's just like everybody's unhappy like how am I supposed to continue this my mother really believes that no one in the world is happy look at that I love her but that's what she believes and that's what you have to she believes that chasing happiness is a waste of time and that the world is too hard for us to be happy Mm. and we need to focus on the next life they've accepted that suffering Mm -hmm. 
because they feel like I think they've taken I feel I always say the Muslim religion is beautiful. It is. But what people have done to it is ugly. Yes. I think I don't think and I'm not don't attack me Islamic uh internet police. <laughs> the Islamic police. Haram police, please do not attack me. I don't think I understand that God didn't want us to chase every happy every like pleasurable pleasurable thing. thank you every pleasurable thing but i also don't think that that meant we needed to be miserable mm-hmm. this is a long life people say life is short but it's also really long at mm-hmm. the same time mm-hmm. i don't understand like and that's why that's another thing with my husband and i talk about like how are you giving me advice on marriage when i when i watch you in an unhappy marriage and i'm not talking about my parents i'm talking about like everybody mm-hmm. Like, do you love your husband? No. You love your kids. Mm-hmm. You don't love your husband. Mm-hmm. But the, everyone, they've all accepted suffering as mm-hmm. part of life. Yeah, and that's because for many of these people, like, they don't see anything else as an option. I can say that one of the things that I cared about the most when it came to picking who my husband was, like, the most important thing was respect. I wanted, mm-hmm. I wanted somebody that I respected and that respected me because if there's no respect on either end, it's not going to work. You could give me advice. I'm going to look at you like, you dumb. I don't respect you. Don't tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't respect me, I'm fighting you every day. I'm from the Bronx. Like, don't play me. How's yeah. marriage life? It's really good. Generally speaking, it's really good. I'm still learning. I'm still new. But I'm happy. You're happy. I'm satisfied. That's yeah. beautiful. I, I rarely, well, I rarely hear African women talk about marriage in that way so it's beautiful to hear you say like i'm married and i'm satisfied i mean i'm surprised i'm just happy to be here <laughs> i'm surprised too i still can't believe it sometimes yeah. i'm like excited to go home and see my husband i never thought that was gonna be my life that's beautiful yeah man. you out here giving a lot of people hope because thanks i mean listen I'm did you surprised. yeah because did you choose um ha- tell us the story of how you got married and how that happened for you because i know again you're from gambia i'm from guinea it's a huge thing for us. A lot of times, our parents are constantly down our throat. As soon as, as soon as we um, you know, get hit puberty, it's always like marriage. Like I've literally been talking about marriage since I was in middle school. Same. Like my friends that know me now, they look at me and they're like, "Rahilu, like where's this husband you've been talking about since sixth grade?" And I'm like, "I don't know where that nigga at, but he not here." So how did you find your your man, and how did you know that you were gonna get married? Because I always wonder. I just be like, "Yo, like." How do people decide that they're going to marry that man? Um, well, my childhood friend that I went to Mesida with, if y'all don't know, that's like Arabic school. We go on weekends and learn how to read the Quran. Um, I've known her since I was like seven. Um, she was married long ago because she's always like the family joke. Our community joke about her is that she's been a grown woman she was, since she was born. So she's always been like the leader of the pack. She's always acted like a grown ass woman. Mm, she's, she's always adult. She's kind of like a big sister to me. She's like a little older than me. Um, she got married. She moved to North Carolina and um, she met my husband's cousin and they became friends. And that cousin was talking about my husband and saying like, oh, he needs a wife. And then she's like, oh, I got a friend. So she came to New York, and I'm normally a flake, and she's like, I want to take you out to dinner, and I really wasn't going to go. I was tired. I was in bed. I was like, you know what? I always say no. Let me stop. I went. We went to dinner. I'm thinking it's just like a catch-up. She's in she's in the city, and then she's like, oh, I know a guy. I think that you guys would get along. He reads books like you, because they always used to, I used to be like a big like reader when I was, he reads books like you, and he goes for runs. Um, I later found out that was a lie. Um... <laughs> 
but he reads books and he goes for runs and we think that you would get along with him. And I was talking to somebody at the time, but I was like, that ain't going nowhere. It's just something to do. So fine, let me meet him. Cause you know, I can't really say I don't want a husband. That's something you can't say even when you didn't, when I didn't want a husband. Mm -hmm. So I was like, all right, fine. Let me meet him. Cut to, we're texting, but I'm really not giving him any energy. Being a typical New York girl, like, ugh, whatever. And then slowly, he made little funny jokes. I'm like, all right, he cool. Still didn't take it seriously. Still talking to homeboy that lived 15 minutes away from me. Wow. Um, and then we went on our first date. Um, when we went on our first date, I'm normally always late. I don't know why. I was on time. His phone died, and we like got there at the same time. Wow. We still talk about that. I don't know why. It's just like exciting that we just met up at the same time. Because knowing him now... If I were late like I usually am and his phone was dead, he would have left. Wow. Right? Um, our first date was like four hours long. We finished eating. We went to have brunch because I love brunch. He loves brunch. We went to have brunch. We finished eating and he's like, do you want to go grab some coffee? Like just to keep talking? And I was like, I got me a nigga that wanted... No, he wanted tea. He wanted tea. Let me be specific. <laughs> he coffee. So he we have tea. brunch. We have brunch. We ate or whatever. And he's like, you want to go grab some tea and dessert? I was like, this nigga is sophisticated. <laughs> he want to grab tea and dessert after we ate? And so we went to a cafe. I was like, I'm on a date in a cafe. Oh my God. I'm used to dealing with like hood niggas. So after that, like we left. The date was great. I gave him a hug. He walked away. And I got in the cab and I called my friend. I was like, girl, I think I just met my husband. I could get shivers thinking about it. I was like, I'm scared that this is not going to work out because I think this is my husband. Damn. And it happened. And it happened. Yo. Yo, God was on your side. And she was like, oh my God, I'm not excited on the phone. I was like, yo, let's not get, you know, you don't know. Because I've been in a situation before with a guy I thought I was going to marry and it didn't happen. So I was mm. like, this might not happen. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I didn't believe it was going to happen for months. We're talking. He wanted to marry me. He called my family. And I'm still like... This could not, ha- it might not happen. It's too good to be true. Wow. But it happened. And that's the story. That's a long, drawn out story, but that's the story. That's the story. Okay, so I know that for us, again, like marriage is something that our par- parents and family talk about a lot. Do you feel like, as like West African girls, that our family prepare us for marriage as much as they talk about it? I think our families prepare us for the marriage that. The marriages that they've had. Mm. Um, one of the things I learned when I was going through that whole, like, they call it in my language, the koye, like your week mm. of being indoors. Like, that's like a traditional thing where I don't go out. I'm just home waiting for my husband and being a bed wench. I don't know how else to say it. A like, bed wench? Yeah, that's, I read too many books. But it's like just being there for him whenever he needs me, mm. basically. Um I had conversations with the women that have basically raised me, not my mother, because she's not supposed to really, really be involved in that, but like women that have like known me since forever. And the way they talk about marriage, at one point I almost cried, like marriage is a duty. Mm. And they talk about like, they talk to me, they gave me advice about like forgiving your husband, not getting angry with him and understanding that this is a duty. Mm. And they really take this as a job, like a job that God has called them to do. And it's really powerful. And like, mm. she was one of the women, she was like, I know you guys look at us and think that we're foolish the way we chase around your fathers and mm. blah, blah, blah. We don't do it for these men. We do it for God. Mm. So they raise us to be that way. Mm-hmm. They don't raise us to be in the relationships. Like being in America, like being millennials, 
being educated women, because mm. I just came out, like we can't navigate, we can't be in a relationship just out of duty. Mm-hmm. But that's what they, I think they prepare us for the, that part of mm-hmm. it. Which in a way, now that I think about it as I'm speaking, I think it prepares us in a way because it prepares us to be loyal and like not quit. Mm-hmm. Like it, it prepares you for the fight fight part of it. The fighting for your yeah. marriage, the mm-hmm. work part of marriage. Exactly. I don't know if they prepare, they don't really prepare us for the day-to-day, the bickering because mm-hmm. they really want us to be submissive and exactly. I'm not submissive. I ain't a submissive either, so. so <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's yeah. both. Yeah, no, I no, hope no. I answered the question. No, you did. Yeah. So then, like, so then, so you feel like you were prepared for the part where it's like, okay, like, you fight for your marriage. It's a duty. You're loyal. So how are you, like, or how were you preparing yourself? Or how have you prepared yourself for the other part of it? Like, especially because you're young. You're 26. You're with your man. Like, you know, you don't want to be, like, in an old-ass type of relationship. So how have you prepared yourself for that? And did you feel like that was, like, a lot of work? Because me, like, okay, I'm terrified of getting married. I'm going to be I honest. I'm scared, too. Like, a lot of people think that, like, I hate men and whatever. I'm honestly terrified of getting married because, honestly, if you stress me out, I'm just going to pack my stuff and go. Um, I'm the same way. Like, I'm not the most... I have worked to be a confrontational person, but it's not a natural thing for me. So Mm. if things get too much and you're not going to change, I'm like, bye, peace out, right? But I lost my train of thought. But like with marriage, it's different. Like your mind state changes. It's not something that I can say you're going to be prepared for. Mm. It's a commitment and you really recognize it. And if you value that, you're not going to just be like, peace out. It's Mm. like... No, this is not my boyfriend. This, this is not, not my just, boyfriend. This is not some nigga that I'm just talking to. This is right. not my boo. This is not bae. This is my husband. And we've mm-hmm. been raised to take that seriously. Because yeah. I don't meet all his requirements. We've had the conversation where it was like, you don't meet all my requirements. We, we just have to be honest. Because yeah. I ain't going nowhere and neither is he. Yeah. You don't meet all my requirements. Mm-hmm. So what are we going to do about it? Mm-hmm. We're going to work on it. Mm-hmm. And we're sorry that this conversation has become like a, a topic of marriage, but this is just really us unpacking like what This is, is really like I just feel like I just dropped my suitcase. You know the big suitcase yeah. my mom has? <laughs> yeah, with all the clothes. It. I just dropped drop the it. trunk. Nah, because this is really like what it is that a lot of again, West African girls who just come from like Muslim households face. Like and this is something that we think about, like Yo, we've been thinking about this shit since it was at, like middle school, elementary How school. How many other things could I have been thinking about? Yo, I could have found the cure to cancer by now. Like, if I had like brain space to think of other shit, I could have probably like found some, some, I could have invented some shit, but this is really what we think about. This is what we're fed. This is what we have to process on top of everything else. I literally was talking to, very briefly to my therapist at the end of our last session about how. I never really fully thought about my future. Like, mm. it was always, like, a hazy little dream thing. Mm. But it was, like, I can't really think about my future because my future is going to be dictated by who I marry. Mm. I want to ask you one last question. Again, like, I feel like a lot of people, not to be, like, cocky, but I do think a lot of people look up to us in a way. And I do feel like a lot of people look at us. And I do feel like they have questions so what advice would you have for like a young girl who wants to or who's working to towards i guess breaking the cage and like being more free 
I say, I have to choose my words carefully because I don't want anyone to do anything crazy. Um, I say like have a real plan. Think everything through before you decide to do anything. Mm -hmm. Don't just be like, I'm moving out. Mm -hmm. Cause I know there's so many days I felt like that. Mm -hmm. I think you need to have a real plan. I think you need to be very solid in who you are Mm -hmm. um, before you decide to break free. Mm -hmm. Um, Knowing that you're a good person, you're gonna do the right thing Mm -hmm. um, and that you can take care of yourself fully before you decide to, I don't know, even if it's not as extreme as moving out, just going against your parents' wishes, mm-hmm. doing the job that they don't want you to do, or not being married yet, or anything, not wearing your hijab, all that, whatever decision that is you're making, just be very solid in it. Don't go back and forth. Don't waver. Don't don't make any rash decisions. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does make sense. I think it's it's just a matter of like, and even if you go back and forth, because it's, it's hard. Yeah, it is It's hard. hard, right? Like, I think it's a matter of just, like, just make sure you're doing things for the right reason. If you're working hard towards something and you're doing everything and you have a real good plan and you're clear about where you're going, even if your parents don't approve now, eventually they will respect you. They're not going to agree with everything that we do because they just don't understand it. So, wait, maybe this is a better one. I would say... Practice patience, understanding, and even a little empathy with your parents because Mm -hmm. it will help you Mm -hmm. Um, when you understand that despite all the crap that they make us do, like clean dishes all day and clean the bathroom every weekend and stop your plans to go out with your friends because you got to clean the house and run errands and (laughs) despite them yelling at you 24-7, never congratulating you when you do anything. anything great understand that they don't have the tools to give you all the things that you might need for them Mm -hmm. but they're doing their best Mm -hmm. so make your decisions with that in mind Mm -hmm. i think that's a better advice yeah they're doing their best from their level of understanding and what they have and what they they were given and what they have and they do love you even though that that's like unbelievable yeah because i remember i was like my mom do not like me she gonna love me because i'm her kid and she has to she don't like but they do love you they just are doing the best with what they have. Yeah. Um, and you have to do the best with what you have. Exactly. And you have so much more than they have. Yeah. So you got to take advantage of that and just... And t- yeah, practice patience, patience, work hard. And then like, create the life that you want. Yeah. Period. Gems. I think that's it. I don't want to over-talk. Yeah, we don't, we don't want... I, we've, been, we've been ranting. Yeah. But... Yeah, I mean, you I, don't know, I feel good though. I feel like you feel like like yeah. you just dropped your baggage. Yeah. That's what the toilet is for. You flush your shit down. The yeah. Um, Mimi, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having this conversation with me. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for not coming here and like being like fake and bougie and shit. Like what? you like really like talking because you know some people like some African people they just they're not we're not honest. We have a hard time being honest because of the spaces that we grew up in. Damn. So I appreciate you. for coming here and being honest and being open about your experiences and sharing and even though you might end up on whatsapp (laughs) and your mom is probably gonna call you you. i appreciate it thank you for having me and i've just decided today in this moment if i end up on whatsapp i did something right oh wow okay 
That's beautiful. I'm gonna try to hold on to that. <laughs> I'm gonna try to hold on to that when my mom is blowing up my phone. Yeah. Great. Um, tell the people where they can find you. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Mimi underscore moments. That's M-I-M-I underscore moments. You can find the Mimi Moments podcast everywhere where there are podcasts. That's Spotify, Apple Music, Bean Pod. And she talks about her experience going to therapy more thoroughly. So you guys should definitely check it out. Because I actually listened to it and I, I was just like, yes, girl. Thank you. And YouTube, Mimi Moments. Anywhere you just put Mimi Moments. You'll see her. You'll see me. Yeah. Alrighty, thank you for coming on. And guys, um, thank you for listening. We will see you on the next episode of the Toilet Podcast. Adios. Bye. Bye. <laughs>